Welcome to Vintage Sci-Fi Shorts. In each episode, I'll read one short story from the pages of vintage science fiction magazines from the Pulp and Digest eras. Join me as we explore stories from a bygone era. Some are long forgotten. Others have had a lasting impact on science fiction. Stories are selected that represent interesting, compelling, or exciting examples of science fiction from the 1930s to the 1960s. In the first season of Vintage Sci-Fi Shorts, I'm reading stories from Universe Science Fiction. Universe Science Fiction was first published in June 1953 by Ray Palmer. It ran for just 10 issues, with its run ending in March 1955. It was then merged with another of Palmer's magazines, Other Worlds, which later became Flying Saucers from Other Worlds. Today's story is The Soluble Scientist, a story written by Charles Munoz under the pen name T.P. Caravan. It was published in issue four of Universe Science Fiction. Wherein the old and evil professor devises a new and horrible fate for John. The old and evil professor of biochemistry and many other subjects was elated. His laughter rang far out over the sea, scaring birds as it went. He was delighted with the results of his latest experiment. He leaped chuckling around a huge vat filled with a nasty-looking green liquid and a nasty-looking yellow liquid, giving occasional screams of joy when he saw that the two liquids wouldn't mix no matter what he did. Look! He shouted to his students, Observe! There is no possible way to mix these liquids. I've used pressure, heat, agitation, vaporization, and every catalyst in the book. I have even used witchcraft and black magic. I have used everything, except human sacrifice, to force these two liquids into combination. Ha! There is no way. See? See? And he danced happily across the laboratory, kicking students as he went. A student named John held up his hand. What would happen if they did combine? He asked. Ha! cried the professor. It would be a perfect cure for ingrown toenails. But it won't ever happen, and so the millions of sufferers will continue to suffer. I have proved it can't happen. Yeek! And he leaped higher and higher, for he loved to think of continued suffering. There will never be a cure for ingrown toenails until these two liquids combine. And they can't combine asked John. Right, screamed the old scientist. Are you sure? Sure, I am always sure. I am a genius. So am I, muttered John. At least my wife is. Now John's wife was the evil old professor's daughter, and the professor hated her with a bright purple hatred. He hated John with a bright red hatred, and he hated the rest of the world with a pale pink hatred. So you can see how much he hated his daughter and his son-in-law. John, he said, I will make a deal with you. If you find a way, 
but there is no way. Then mix these two liquids. I will pass you for the term and let you graduate. If you cannot find a way, and there is no way, to mix them, I will have you expelled at once. You have twelve hours. I suggest you pack. Goodbye. Wait, cried John. I have not agreed. The thing is impossible. I didn't say you had to agree. It was I who made the stipulations, and it is I who will fail you. I intend to fail you anyhow, but I will give you this chance to pass. This was mean, for the professor knew that a futile hope was more cruel than no hope at all. Hmm, said John, scratching his head, a habit he had picked up one day when the professor had temporarily turned him into an ape. I guess I have to accept. What catalyst did you try? The evil old scientist leaped for joy. All of them. Everything in the book. Every chemical there is. Give up, John. He flung a portable oscilloscope at a student who had his hand raised. Put that hand down, he snarled. Ask your questions somewhere else. Every catalyst? Asked John. Every one. The student cautiously raised his hand again. What's a catalyst? He asked, ducking under the table just in time to miss a pack of Rorschach cards, which came flying across the room at him. Pick those up, said the scientist angrily. I play solitaire with them to settle my nerves. He waited until the poor student had brought the cards back to his desk and then bashed him on the head with a square wave signal generator. Anybody else who doesn't know what a catalyst is? He looked out at a forest of hands. Fools, he snarled, which was unfair, for, though he was a professor, he never taught his students anything but fear. You're a senior, John. Tell them. And he rushed around the classroom, laughing happily at the thought of failing and expelling John, while millions of sufferers suffered from relentless ingrown toenails. Well, said John, er, he juggled a piece of chalk. Ah, he cleared his throat. He coughed. He strangled a bit and pounded himself on the back. He blushed. Ah, uh, excellent, muttered the evil old professor. Look, er, you take, I mean, it's difficult to explain. You take two elements that won't combine. No, that's, that's not it exactly. He turned to the blackboard. Look, take C2H5OH. Take two molecules of it. You can break it down to C2H5OC2H5 plus H2O. It's simple. You just heat it. Nothing to it chemically. You can see how the OH radical drops off the C2H5. Now you started with two molecules, so you have two of those oxygen-hydrogen units to account for. Two hydrogen radicals and two oxygen radicals. One of the oxygens makes the O between the C2H5s, and the other hooks up with the two spare H radicals to make the water molecule. He turned back to the class. I hope this isn't boring. The professor stopped leaping around the room. Never worry about boring your pupils, he said. Bored students fall asleep and don't make any trouble. So far, you've been completely wrong. You can't do the experiment simply by the application of heat. I was leading up to that, said John, throwing his chalk at the professor. You can heat it all day Thursday, and it won't break down and recombine the way you want it to. What you do is add the catalyst. A catalyst is a substance in whose presence a chemical change will take place that won't perceptibly proceed without it. At the end of the experiment, you get your catalyst back unchanged. Simply add sulfuric acid to your test tube, and the thing will work perfectly. So your problem is to find a catalyst to make that nasty green liquid combined with that nasty yellow liquid to make an ingrown toenail cure, said one of the students.
And from the back of the room, the evil old professor's laughter rang out happily. Right, he shrieked, but he can't find any because I tried them all. By the way, I plan to fail everyone in the class when I fail John. He has less than 11 hours left. Goodbye. And he rushed from the room. Well, as you may imagine, John spent the next 10 hours and 59 minutes in trying everything he could think of to make the two liquids in the huge vat combine with one another. He tried sulfuric acid and platinum wires and snowballs and tungsten and the rare earths and berkelium and hydrogen. He tried illuminating gas and gumdrops. He even tried acids and bases and salts. He even tried swearing and kicking the side of the vat. Nothing worked. Finally, as he heard the evil footsteps of the professor approaching down the hall, he turned to the students gathered around him. Mes amis, he said. Il me faut. Hey, somebody said. Talk louder. I can't understand you. I'm sorry, said John. I was confused. I've been tearing my brains apart to find a catalyst, but I've failed. There's only one thing more to try. He drew himself up. My friends, it is necessary for me to make this supreme sacrifice. Farewell. Somebody tell my wife. Turning, he leaped into the huge vat. What did you expect? It worked. John was the perfect catalyst. The two liquids, the green one and the yellow one, burbled and churned and flowed together to make a beautiful transparent blue fluid that bubbled merrily. There was only one trouble. John dissolved. Human sacrifice was the only thing the evil old professor hadn't tried. Scientists aren't so smart. Sometimes they overlook obvious things like that, simple things. That's what makes them mad. There was nobody madder than the mad scientist when he rushed into the laboratory and saw that John had succeeded. He has succeeded? How? 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 And he began to strangle himself in his fury. Where is he? He cursed a curse so horrible it turned two students into jackrabbits who hopped frantically away from his flailing feet. Where's John? he cried, almost incoherent from anger. Tell me, tell me, tell me, Elmer. And the sad student named Elmer, the one who had been bashed over the head for asking what a catalyst was, pointed mournfully at the vat of blue liquid. In there, he said, dissolving. He asked us to tell his wife. Dissolving, shouted the professor, turning mottled for joy. Is that little lump of stuff John? His face was the color of a scrambled egg sprinkled with cod liver oil, and he leaped high into the air and did two backflips. Look at him go, he cried. In seven minutes, he'll be completely used up. Yeek, yeek! This was true. John was dissolving so rapidly that in seven minutes, there would be nothing left except a fading memory and a heap of old examination papers. Of course, there wasn't much of John left as it was, for he had already been dissolving for some time. But seven minutes would finish the job. Tell his wife cried the professor. I want her to come and see this. Run, hurry, quick. And he laughed such a loud and bitter laugh that the students rushed out of the room in a panic and fled screaming across the campus. In a few minutes, John's beautiful wife had reached the laboratory and had climbed up beside the huge vat. Ha! cried her father, the old and evil professor. Look, there goes John. Now you will starve in the cold and the snow and the hurricanes. Look! Ha! As she peered down into the bubbling, burbling, bright blue, lively, lovely-looking liquid, an eyeball popped up to the surface. It was an eyeball with the one small glistening tear in it. It was an eyeball with one small glistening tear in it, an eyeball with a sad and noble look to it, an eyeball slightly bloodshot from the fatigue of almost seven hours of constant, unsuccessful search for a catalyst. An eyeball that gazed solemnly at her, a familiar eyeball that seemed to wink once, an eyeball... John's eyeball, that dissolved with an audible pop. 
Seven minutes, cried the professor. That's the end of John. Yeek, yeek. And he peered down into the liquid to see if there were any parts of John which hadn't fully dissolved yet. My goodness, said John's wife. It's a good thing I didn't come any later, or I would have missed seeing him go. The eyeball would naturally be the last thing to dissolve. Eyeballs are largely scleroproteins, and of course they have to be hydrolyzed before they'll enter into solution. Naturally, snarled the old and evil scientist who hadn't thought of this. That's the end of John. And he rubbed his bony hands together and leaped across the room to his desk. I will keep my promise. I told him that if he succeeded in mixing the two liquids, I would pass him. Ha! Perhaps we can have a small graduated beaker full of this blue liquid at the commencement exercises. John will probably be the first student ever to receive his Bachelor of Science degree while dissolved in ingrown toenail cure. Yeek, now I can get on with my hobby without interference. John's wife shuddered when she heard this, for she knew that her father's hobby was collecting ways of ending the earth. Get out, he cried. Go out into the cruel world and starve, and take your memories of him and these old examination papers. Go. He pointed one gnarly finger at the door. John is dead. Not dead, said a moist voice from the vat, merely somewhat dissolved. The professor whirled. John's wife whirled. Three books fell from the wall. John, cried the professor. John, cried John's wife. Hello, said John. He climbed down from the rim of the vat and stood dripping on the floor. But you dissolved, cried the professor. I saw you dissolve, cried the girl. Sure, said John, but I didn't stay dissolved, and my ingrown toenails are cured. The evil old scientist was too furious to speak, and John's wife was too delighted to speak. So Raphael, who was a parrot that lived in a cage under the professor's desk, where he could be kicked whenever no students were handy, poked his head out and asked, How come you didn't stay dissolved? How come? Huh? John gave him a cracker. Look here, Raphael. Did you see that formula I put on the blackboard when the class was here? Ah. That was the dehydration of alcohol to make ether. We had to use sulfuric acid as a catalyst, but you saw how we got all our sulfuric acid back after the experiment was over. Naturally, shouted the professor. Even the stupid parrot knows that a catalyst doesn't enter into the reaction. Ark, said Raphael. Ah, said John, but it does. If you'd stop kicking holes in the ceiling, you'd remember that it does enter the reaction in some cases where we can prove it easily. That experiment I put on the blackboard, for example. Alcohol, C2H5OH3, in the presence of sulfuric acid, H2SO4, breaks down to form ether, C2H5, and water, H2O, leaving you with the same sulfuric acid that you started out with. But if you stop the reaction in the middle, you'll find that you can isolate C2H5SO4 and water. See? The catalyst enters into the reaction to form an intermediate stage, but it gets put back into its old form when the end product is reached. That's what happened to me. I was the catalyst that supported the reaction while the two liquids mixed. But when the mixing was completed, I was reassembled in my old form. John turned to his wife. So... Now we've got this vast vat full of ingrown toenail cure, and the professor has passed me for the term, which is nice of him. Let's go home and build a wall to hang my diploma on. Laughing, they ran from the lab. The old and evil professor slowly knelt down and began to bash his head against the floor. The Soluble Scientist is just one story in a series entitled John and the Evil Professor, written by Charles Munoz under the pen name T.P. Caravan. 
In addition to writing science fiction, he was also a poet, with a collection of his work published in 2001 entitled Fragments of a Myth. He was also the poetry editor for multiple years at The Jewish Spectator. All issues of Universe Science Fiction are available on the Internet Archive at archive.org.